I'd like to welcome everybody who's joining us for our live stream. It's just one part of our service at City Temple and Chelsea Community Church. If you want to be part of the whole thing uh, online, drop us an email, or you can come and join us in person on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock, even on Christmas Sunday itself. Uh, and today, Marcos Ravella is going to be Ravello Ravella. He's a great, Marcus Ravella is a great fella. Uh, you know, Marcus Ravello is going to be bringing the word of the Lord to us. Over to you, Marcos. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, um, if you can open your Bibles in uh, Micah chapter 5, and, or follow with us on the screen, um, verses 2 to four but i am going to go just one line in verse five which i forgot to mention to the the guys up there so uh, follow me anyway and you, you get where i'm going but you O bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of judah from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in israel whose coming forth is from old from ancient days Therefore, he shall, be give, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure for now. He shall be great to the ends of the earth. And verse 5 there, and he shall be their peace. Only up to there. And then follow me to Luke chapter Luke chapter 2, we're looking at verses 8 to 21. And in the same region there was shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with, a, with a, the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on the earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known that the sayings that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told them. And the end of the eight days, oh, that, up to there, to verse 20. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. We ask you to speak to our hearts. To, to We want to rejoice, not just um, on this day, Lord, not just this season, but Lord, we want our hearts to always rejoice, for, for we know that you've come and you are to, still to come again, Lord. So we want to join together as a, as a church, Lord, and bring all glory and honor to your name, Lord. Father, we thank you. We be blessed at the reading of your word and the preaching of your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Amen. And there's um, something I wanted to share a little bit. This is for the kids, if they can listen to me. It's about Santa and Jesus. 
Uh, just a little bit off, off, the, off the sermon a bit, but I just, I thought, hey, this is quite fun. <laughs> so Santa versus Jesus, all right? So here we go. Santa lives at the North Pole. Jesus lives everywhere. Santa rides a sleigh. Jesus rides on the wind and walks on water. Two points to Jesus. <laughs> Santa comes once a year. Jesus is, ever is an ever-present help in a time of need, all the time. Santa comes down your chimney. Jesus stands at your door of your heart and knocks. Santa fills your stockings with goodies. Jesus will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. You have, you, have, you have to wait in line to see Santa at the shops. Jesus is close as, the, as, as we mention his name. Where two or three are gathered, he's there amongst us. So we know he's here with us today. Santa lets, lets you sit on his lap. Jesus holds you in the palm of his hands. Santa has a belly like a bowl of jelly. Jesus has a heart full of love. Santa's little helpers make new toys. Jesus' disciples make disciples. <laughs> Santa puts gifts under your tree. But Jesus became our gift and died on the cross, also the tree. Amen? <laughs> so, points to Jesus. <laughs> well, that's for the kids. Well, yeah, you can give an applause to Jesus as well for that, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's completely off the, <laughs> the message. But thinking a little bit here on, on, the, on our season and thinking about um, the time of rejoicing. Just a little bit of context on, on, on Micah, a little bit of, uh, that I really wanted to kind of share and, and thinking about it. Um, the, for instance, Micah is a prophet um, who is in a difficult, is in a, his nation's divided. And the, the, the kingdom is, a, there's a southern kingdom, northern kingdom divided. This is also at the same time of, of Isaiah. And the reason I kind of set, want to set a little bit of the backdrop is because um, we, there's so much comparisons to the, the time that Micah was living and prophesying, the season that we see the, the, the gospel announced by the angels and the shepherds, and also the time that we live in. So let's go just back a little bit to Micah's season. Micah's, he's a prophet, a minor prophet. And I love that these minor prophets have got lots of punch in their, in their message. Um, I'm one of those people that when I've grown up in church and I was, wasn't a big fan of the minor prophets, especially some of them when they were very negative. It was always like woes and destruction and I'm gonna bring judgment and God is against you. And it just felt like there's nothing in there. I really of hope but it's you know when you start to really walk with Jesus and you hear his the gospel you realize that Jesus even said when he was on the road to Emmaus he said to the to the disciples he goes you know it was foretold to you all the way from Genesis all the way to the prophets the gospel the good news of Jesus' coming was mentioned in every in every one of the books so Micah is equally important as maybe you know, one of the major prophets like Isaiah. Isaiah, we, we give, you know, Isaiah is such a big prophet. We see his message as, as such a, an impact one where we see the healing and the mention of the Lamb of God. But Micah is also really important. Micah, even being a, a minor prophet, his, his background, all of the, you know, there's a lot of corruption, a lot of difficulty. In his background, the, the priests and the rulers were corrupt. The people who were supposed to protect them the people that were supposed to guide them into truth were actually ruining them and, and, and taking advantage of them, including, and that's what Micah does in this, in this whole book. He kind of deals with these problems and, and confronts and sees that, you know, there's judgment, but at the same time, there's hope. But in this whole message of Micah, there's this moment of prophetic utterance of who is going to come and this joy that, that would bring to the world, this peace that would bring into the heart. 
So you think at this time, Micah's this minor prophet. He's actually outside of the main city. He's not really recognized. And a bit like the shepherds, not really taken notice. The big prophets were like Isaiah, who probably had more influence with the governments and those in leadership. But Micah there, he, he's faithful to God's word. And it says in, in, in his scripture, he speaks about having this, uh, as, but as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord and justice and might to declare to Jacob, to Israel, and to its, and the, his transgressions and, and Israel, his sin. Prophetic, these, you know, to stand as a minister of God or as a prophet in this, in this case, he was standing against the corrupt things. He was speaking truth to the injustice in that moment. And what a challenge it must have been for him. But also to have that hope, to have that ray of light in that, in that scripture that we just read. And then just to see that he's able to proclaim not just, and that's where we see these kind of connections of moments where Micah is preaching and also Isaiah or Daniel and Ezekiel, they prophesying for a moment to their situation where, where they're living, the things that they could see, but at the same time giving a, a, a word that would, would transcend and pass to another generation. And, and that's, that's the importance here because we see it, it doesn't just affect Mike, one generation, or, the, or even five or eight hundred years later when Christ is born, but it continues even two thousand plus more years to us. We see in the time of Micah corruption. We see in the time of Micah that the, 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 those who had power were, were taking the land from the poor, taking advantage of, 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 of what was supposed to be the laws and the covenant that were to protect the people. They were supposed to protect the, the weak, the marginalized. They were supposed to protect those on, on the fringe. They were supposed to take care of those who didn't have power. And instead, they were taking advantage. And, and Micah speaks of this and saying, now God is going to bring justice and he's going to take you out. He's going to completely take you far away from your land, but then he will also restore you. There will be a shepherd. There will be one who will come who will restore and bring things back into order. One who will do it correctly. One whose kingdom it continues. And so there's this joy in that, in that moment. And like I said, sometimes reading these minor prophets, I, I would always think like, oh, Lord, especially, I don't know if you ever read Nahum. Nahum is one of those really, it's all doom and gloom, really. I think I found one verse that I kind of think, okay, there's a bit of hope there, but everything was just really clobbering at, at, at something. But I, again, it's about seeing how even, and that's where I've, we, we must learn that even in God's anger, we're seeing his love, his righteousness, and his justice. We're seeing that he wants to deal with something that isn't correct. So as, as the church, if we are repentant and, and humble ourselves before God, even when we see turmoil and, and destruction and woes and difficulties, we know that we're in God's hand. We know that, okay, you are going to put us through this, and we will get through, and we will see how this all works together. Like it says in, in the Word, not all things work together for good for those who love you, and especially those of us who are now his children redeemed by his blood. So it, it, this, I mean, Micah stands there, minor prophet, but with, with a, a mighty punch, and, and the Lord, you know, wanted to judge, but he also wanted to bring forgiveness. And it begins with this, you no, know, unto me. And this is a prophesied ruler who would carry out God's purpose. And that's the third thing, first thing we see here. He's, you know, that he will do the will of the Father and accomplish the plan of God the Father. And he says it there, you no, know, unto me one, one will be born. Unto me one who will come for me. And, um, one that will be... Uh, called out, one that would be a ruler over Israel, and to do the Father's will. I think, and this is the thing that they, they must have seen all of these other kings, and, and, and Bethlehem was such a key place for them. Bethlehem was a place of the house of bread. It was the place where King David was born. So for them to know that another king would come, I mean, he, 
David was the gold standard of kings. David was the standard of, of the type of king everyone admired and, and hoped for. But even him, in his kingdom and in his reign, he was imperfect, flaws. And, and you know, he, he, he didn't all go to as, as he, you know, God would hope what wanted maybe. But at the end, it, we see that all of these men are prototypes. They're just uh, the examples or shadows of the one who was to come, the perfect one, Christ the Redeemer, Christ the, the, the one, uh, the shepherd who would redeem and save Israel. So we see this, that, that in Bethlehem, there's so many wonderful things that happen in that place. The place of bread, that's where Ruth and Naomi, we see that, uh, you know, the, 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 the lineage, Obed, Jesse, and then um, King David. So, you know, they knew the people, the, the, those, those who grew up further on in the time of Jesus and those who were waiting for the first advent, the first coming of the Messiah, were expecting. They were waiting for him to arrive in this great way, but they weren't sure how. And then we further on. But anyway, unto me, he was doing the purpose of the Father and to bring. And then this other part in the, in the, in the prophecy of Micah is whose origins are from old, from ancients of days. And this is, I like this because... Again, looking, they always looked at this redeeming Messiah that would come in the, in, in, in the future. But they were always thinking that it would be someone, a, a man, or a, a maybe like David. But not knowing that it would actually be God with us, Emmanuel. That it, God himself would become flesh and, and enter our world and be with us. And this, even this tiny verse here, whose origins are from old, from ancients of days, is a powerful phrase. It's a strong statement of, of infinite duration in the Hebrew language, this of the pre-existent Messiah. So we understand that he, he was already involved in the plan. It wasn't, there wasn't a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. Like God said, okay, plan A, Adam and Eve, everything goes well, and we won't have to sacrifice the son. No, he knew all that was going to be. It was all seen and laid out. And, and, and there's, you know, there's a great mystery and, and a great understanding there that we, we pray that the Lord reveal continue to us. But here you see that he he was ordained an eternity entering into time jesus entering into our situation and this was told in micah micah and then this is where these moments of overlap of micah prophesying for his generation and also for yet to come and they had to wait for this you know god's and there's something that we we, we can stand now that god's word will stand it will endure the time it will persevere it will go through and, and not just historically or poetically, but it speaks to us now. I'm glad I understand, and I can like I was sharing with you last time when I was um, uh, giving the message here that Christ becoming flesh is important to us because we see in His humanity that He connects with us. We see it through all of the Scripture how He was also one who suffered, one who grieved, one who, who cried with us, who understands. It isn't a God who stands far away. I think there was, it was a, a, a missionary who was talking with some uh, different men of different religions. And they all said, you know, in some way, we're all kind of going up the same mountain. We're all looking for God in the same way. We're all heading up that same path. And the, and the Christian missionary said, actually, it's different for us. And he goes, how? Well, you, know, we, you know, we're all trying to be good to reach God. And he goes, no, well, you are all going up the mountain looking for God. God came down the mountain in Christ to be with you and to show you how to live, and to redeem you, and to save you. And I think that's important because we understand in his humanity that he wasn't, it, this isn't a God who stands far from us. This isn't a God who, who just looks at us and says, okay, what a pity, what a shame, or are you struggling there? He knows our situation, and, we, and that's things that we can contemplate. And that's furthermore something that I want to share. But here in that last part in Micah's prophecy, 
He speaks about him being the one who gives us peace. And that moment, and I think that means a lot, especially if you're living a situation where you're seeing chaos and corruption, injustice, where you're seeing uh, bribery, where you're seeing land being taken from, from your fellow uh, uh, friends and neighbors, and you're seeing all of this, how much you desire for peace, not just the peace that things would be okay and you feel well, but peace in your government, peace in your education, peace with your, in your church or in your religious institution, in that case for them, peace in all things. And then to know that someone would bring a peace that will last and endure, that's to hold on to. So that's 800 years before Christ comes, or five to 800 depending. And they have these words, Micah leaves that. And yeah, there's some changes that happen and Assyria comes and destroys and they're completely uh, taken into exile and things. And then it's the moment of silence. And we see John the Baptist comes in. I'm kind of painting a picture quickly of the gospel there. But then we come to this moment of, of Luke chapter 2. And we see here the, the angelic entering and the shepherds. Now, again, comparing it to Micah and the moment at Luke where we're reading this gospel. There's injustice, there's corruption, there's the Sadducees and the Pharisees, those that are religious but keeping people far from God, those who have aligned themselves with government for personal profit and gain, those who had corrupted the, 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 the temple. There were so much things going incorrect, in similar to the time that Michael was living now in this moment, that enters in God, in man, in Christ. And we hear this amazing message that the angels proclaim. This, this song that is sung, that glory to God in the highest, on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And how they must have looked forward. The angels had seen something. They were praising God. Jesus did not die for angels. Jesus did not uh, come to redeem them. But yet in scripture it says that heaven and earth in Christ, all things are, are restored back to him. And so they were celebrating. They were also recognizing something has just entered into the world that is going to change history. Literally to the point, you know, we divide our time by A, you know, Anna Domini, the year of the Lord and BC before Christ. And I know those things are now slowly being taken away, but we could still, you know, remember that those things that Christ had completely entered and changed our time. How much more? And then these angels begin to mention and declare. Now to the shepherds, these were the most lowliest of the community. Even sometimes their, their, their witness or their testimony wasn't regarded as important or special. They were, if they were to go to court, no one would take their word into account. So it's interesting, why, why did God not choose to take this message to, to the palace, to take it to the Sadducees, the Pharisees, or to those who were in power and authority? Why not take it? And I love that because it shows us that the gospel is, is for those who are not proud. The gospel is for those who are humble and seeking, those who are in need, those who sometimes feel that they're not uh, in, in, the, uh, in a place where they have influence. Yet we celebrate it. We sing it even today. We sing it and rejoice how the shepherds heard, how they watch, and how they proclaim it on the mountain, how they, they send out the message. So these angels appear to them, and they are receiving the message of the gospel, that God has become flesh, that he now dwells with us, that he's part of our world, and that... He's, uh, it's, he is this hope now, this peace. And it's, this, you know, these messianic titles that we, we begin to, to celebrate over Christmas, to know that God is with us, 
that God dwells amongst us. And he's you not know, king and kings, he's preeminent and, and before all. So the angels declare this to the shepherds, and the shepherds go out with full of joy and excitement. Now, I, I, you know, you've got to think about it. What kind of a light show this must have been? You could just try to hardly, you know, put it together. I mean, we, we love good fireworks, or we love a good celebration when we see lots of things happen, but this was God himself in action and all the angels declaring what was about to happen, what was about. So the, the message that becomes from them, they're the Savior, but this sign that he will be willingly laid aside the glories of heaven and stepped into, time, into our time in a humble servant. You know, he, he humbled himself. He made himself poor so that through his poverty, we might become rich. He, he knew what it was to suffer, to do without certain things, to, to let, let go of his majesty and his splendor and to be with us in, in, the, in, in the most humble and, and uh, way. He did this so that he might identify with us so that we might know and, and share with us our needs as well. And uh, I know for some people, this is the conflict of the message. It's sometimes that the difficulty seeing that how, how could, like again, when we're speaking with others about God being with us, you know, and then some people find it difficult. No, that, that doesn't make sense. You know, how, how would he become and how would he die on a cross and how would this happen? But it was all God's perfect plan and God's will for us to happen and, and to occur. It was one of those things that you think, you know, the shepherds heard this message and they knew where they were going to have to go and they were going to find him in a manger in swaddling clothes and again all of these signs of his humility entering not not taking a throne not appearing in a palace and they receive the message and they go towards him and they see them they see all of this happening i think it was this week my, my son was mentioning how in school they've been sharing a little bit about how what the manger and what the house and what the inn and there's a lot of this discussion and as glad that they've been thinking about it because it, it really is that time and i'm saying to them haven't you realized that everything because it's you know every commercial now every program everything on the radio is, is pulling them to want something and it's like they, they, they pull out their lists it's not now's the time to make christmas lists lord I, I don't think there's enough rolls of paper for all the all the things they want you might as well just grab the the catalog and just put a big circle this is what i want <laughs> But it's, I said to them that, you know, what, how we have to now think and, and out us ourselves and trying to think of those that are, are, are outside of us and, you know, our community, what are the needs that we see? And we're still seeing the same as Micah, the same as the time of Jesus. There is cost of living now, the difficulties. We see the bankers and, 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 and institutions that are supposed to help and protect and those who need sometimes the most corrupt and sometimes it takes a while we, we, when we find out these scandals where there's been so much uh, misuse and even in church institutions that were supposed to protect those that are weak those that are in need those that are, are defenseless and how some people even lose faith in it and to help the children understand all of these things that yes christmas can be so easily just to be distracted by all the lights and the and, the, and, and all the presents and food but it's also a moment where we can be thankful and think also how how do we how do we bless those around us how do we and obviously things as simple as praying simple things as, as sharing and talking with those around us being a friend to those that are, are maybe in need having just that small conversation with someone else and listening to their stories i've recently uh, started a job as a chaplain at a at a home it's a methodist home so 
uh, that uh, it's a nice it's a nice place where the Lord has placed me and, and uh, has guided me there and just listening sometimes to their stories and hearing them about how Christmas means to them I had I have in one of the as I pastorally care for them one of them is a nurse and she a uh, midwife she grew up and she's a uh, she's uh, coming to that age of her life and she's there at the home and she said that her, her greatest memory of Christmas wasn't all the, the gifts getting it was always that being able to give and and to share and she said that one Christmas she got to uh, be at the hospital and it was tw the 25th you know and they were uh, you know it's always that way they were said they're always nervous because is it we're gonna have a Christmas baby or not the Christmas baby or not and a, a baby boy boy was born that day for in the hospital she was there taking care but she said the most wonderful thing is that there was a church service afterwards now after as she'd finished down her her, her her shift she went to church and she got to share with her community with her church with her friends and family and just to be able to know she never married she's never uh, had children of her, herself but she says the church has become my family and it's wonderful i always when i go to be with her and to check up on her it's always her church community that pick her up take her bring her gifts are checking on her and, and watching over her and that's that's again you know these things and uh, uh i've made a good friendship with her because she's even now praying for my kids she's like got a list, a list of them and everything so i'm grateful for those 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 are the communities that we connect with how can we share our stories how can we hear those things and and know what we've done another thing that we see here in this is this the the that the world lay under the curse of sin gripped by violence and unrest and and i like just that thought here because in in the song that the the, the angels sing they say glory to god in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased so that this this message that of peace again i want to kind of lift up that we we have this message of peace in christ and it's not a peace that depends on the circumstance again micah's situation difficult turmoil anguish and poverty and and and, and injustice and even jesus born into the same horrible situations around his nation and and the being under the roman rule and and being taken advantage of their people as well but he comes with this peace and we we're grateful i, I think i say to the uh, to our family that you know we live in, a, in quite a peaceful land in, in many ways yes there's difficulties and yes we're seeing now things that are, are going to happen and strikes and there's the costs and things that have changed but we can thank you because there are those who before us generations who've, who've laid a foundation on the, on through the gospel and have allowed the peace and now we again have to be, be, begin to repeal rebuild those 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 walls those those uh, upon that truth as well that he comes and brings peace to all men you know sometimes uh, i see that around the world we're, we're seeing a, a great need and a great a discouragement uh because of what things have happened and but at the same time when you hear how god is doing things in his church and you hear the messages of those who are are sharing the gospel I, it's one of those things that I, I rejoice with, and I, and I think there is something there when, when you hear how someone has come to Christ, when you hear that someone has found real peace in their hearts, not depending upon wealth or, 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 or titles or education, but really understanding that they have been saved in Christ. And I think one of the things my dad always used to say to me when we were discouraged and we were young in our, in our faith was, go out and share the gospel and you'll get some joy. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's not as easy that as you think. It's kind of hard here in the UK. But he was always one of those. He was one of those people that would go across and just talk to and 
and just start conversation, especially he, with the Latino community, he was really good at that. And, um, and I remember with my wife, we would, we would, you know, we would say, we would see it in Colombia, we would see it in Peru, we would see it in South America, we'd say, it's got to be possible here. And I know, I know the spiritual climate in the UK is different. I know the challenge and the struggles, but sometimes there was moments that we would go out and we would share the gospel, we would talk with people. And it was, there was this moment that you would laugh even and even when they rejected you, you were just like, you know, God, we're doing this, you know, it's crazy, but hey, you know, we put us out there to, to, to share this message of peace, of hope. And I, you know, sometimes you get these amazing moments, these moments where people would say to you, thank you, thank you for listening, or thank you for sharing that, or thank you for praying for me, thank you for, you know, no one else's, um, again, kind of sharing the stories from where I am at right now, as a, a, a sharing, um, there's, there's, you know, people who deal with grief. And just sitting with them, I sometimes I feel like, Lord, I'm not really doing anything here. They, they don't seem to want me to read the Bible to them. They don't want me to pray for them. But I sit with them, and they just kind of like unload and unload and share and share. And I walk away, and I think, Lord, did anything happen? <laughs> and they talk, maybe, maybe that helped. And I was really grateful because as I was leaving um, the home the other day, my, my, one of the uh, administrative um, uh, staff came up to me and said, uh, Marcos, uh, the, the guy you sat with all that time just listening to him, his family just called up and they're super grateful for what you did. Uh, he's even said he wants to come to church and he's never wanted to do that. And I was thinking, God, I don't get it. <laughs> you know, I didn't do anything. I just listened. But it was just sometimes it is that, the gift of listening, the gift of giving peace by the presence of God's peace in us to others. Amen? Amen. And sometimes it's like that, isn't it? So we can rejoice. We can rejoice in him because we know he has come. We can rejoice even when, in, in all of the situation that we run, uh, 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 runs around us. We can rejoice because he has overcome. We can rejoice because we have hope. And we can rejoice because in the end, God will receive all the glory. In all of these prophecies, in all of these outcomes, we see they're continuously declaring God will be glorified. God will be lifted up. God will be justified. God will bring his, and we stand similar like Micah, similar like the angels. We stand here in our generation and we proclaim, yes, there is one. There is God who has already come in Emmanuel. He has come and he died and rose again, but he comes again. And he is still the Prince of Peace. He is still the Son of Righteousness. He is still the truth, the life and the way. He is still Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and he is still yet to come. And we can still proclaim that. And we can still declare that over our generation. We can stand alongside the other prophets. We can stand alongside those angels. We can stand and rejoice with them and know that he has not finished, that he's still yet to come and be glorified amongst us. And we can stand in that hope. We can stand and rejoice together. So this season, let our hearts be lifted up, not just only in December, but let us continuously meditate. And that I like that about Mary, knowing, hearing all of these things, hearing that, that what the shepherds had said to them, Hearing that these angels had proclaimed, hearing even herself having these things, she pondered them in her heart. She thought about them and let them dwell inside of her. And I think there's something that, there that we should really work on. Something personally is to continue to let those truths of God to dwell in us. To continuously know you've done it before, you're doing it now, and you are yet to do it again. You have, you've, you've, you've got us out of some difficult times as a nation. You will do it again in this time. And Lord, we believe your kingdom will come where there will be a righteous reign, your government will establish forever and ever, and that we will never see that, that, that the hunger or famine or poverty. 
But while we wait here in the middle, Lord, we want to praise you and rejoice, Lord, because we know that your kingdom is coming. We are people of faith. We are people of the kingdom. We are people of hope and we are people of, of peace. So we have joy and we could rejoice in this advent. We have salvation. We have redemption. We have a kingdom to come. We have the fullness of his justice with us. Everything that we need, we already have in him. And we have that hope in this advent. May we rejoice in the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you. And we thank you, Lord, for, for this uh, time together as community and as church, Lord. We are your people, Lord. We are your body, your hands, your feet. We are your, your church, Lord. And we together, we thank you, Lord, that we can proclaim that you have done great and wondrous things amongst us. We can rejoice with the angels, with the shepherds, with the prophets of old, Lord. We can declare together, Lord, that you have come in Christ, made flesh, that you were, died on the cross, risen again, and give salvation to all who come in faith through grace, Lord. We can come before you today, Lord, and, and lift up our praise and our worship, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we wait for that kingdom as well, Lord, that perfect, that it will be established forever, Lord. We wait for that time, Lord, and we celebrate in part here together. We glorify you in part here together, Lord, and, and we lift up our voices to you, Lord. There, those that are hungry, those that are thirsty, those that are seeking, those that are broken, Lord, we lift up our praise and our worship to you today, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We pray, we praise you, Lord. And we declare, Lord, your peace upon this land, Lord. We pray peace upon our government. We pray for peace upon the education and upon the NHS, Lord Father. We pray for peace upon our transport. We pray for peace upon all of the business sectors, Lord, upon those areas of influence, Lord. We thank you, Lord Father, that uh, others have built and, uh, and laid foundations for us to continue to grow. We're grateful, Lord, for, for what they have done, Lord. May we be good stewards of what you've given us, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Mm -hmm.